Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Today, we're gonna to talk about what's the big deal about family? Bible, enjoying the narrative, kind of caught up in what you're reading, and you turn the page and bam, there's a genealogy. Honest moment, I tend to skim through them. It takes a lot of self-control to actually read all of the names and who beget who when they were so many years old. Do you skim over the genealogies? Put it in the comments. Well, there are over 25 official genealogies in the Bible, and there are countless other lists of family names, of people who went off on these adventures, um, and there are just a lot of names and connection when you are flipping through, reading through the pages of your Bible. And yes, they show the passage of time for us, they link generations, but more than that, more than the practicalities of connecting two people, like we were in this person's life and we're getting over here, so we're gonna draw all the lines for you through a genealogy to this person, more than even that. I believe these genealogies show us God's heartbeat for family. They reveal his intention that we would be linked to each other. They reveal his intention that faith and the knowledge of him would be passed down from generation to generation to generation. And it would be actually passed down this line of children and grandchildren and great, great, great grandchildren. And so when it came to walking through our value statements, that long process that, that a bunch of leaders in our church went through, not just our pastoral staff, but those others that were invited into that process, we knew that we wanted family to be part of one of our values. It's so clearly part of God's heart for society and humanity as a whole. And so we knew that it needed to be part of our value statements and we landed on this, standing with and building up the family. But in our discussions, we were also adamant that family needed to be defined in a way that was inclusive of, but not defined by kids and teens. Because family is not just two and a half kids and a dog and a white picket fence. We know that family comes in all shapes and sizes. Every single person on this earth is part of a family. Maybe not a healthy family, but they're part of a family. And we know that family morphs and changes as our lives go on. You know, we start in a nuclear family as a child and as we grow, that kind of changes. We don't live under the same roof as our parents eating what we're told going to school. Family morphs and changes, but it's no less family. And family beautifully grows as we include others into our family and, and it can painfully shrink as those we love pass, as, as there's brokenness in family, but it's no less family. And so we wanted it to be inclusive of, but not defined by a single stage of family, standing with and building up the family. Family is very clearly God's design for humanity. From the moment of creation, he looked at this 
single individual, Adam, and said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs more that are like him in my image. And he had a plan for what family would look like. And throughout the entire word of God, throughout the Bible, instructions about what the design of family are supposed to look like are given over and over again. And we're asked and invited to shape our families by God's design. So what is the greater purpose for family? Why would we be so adamant that family needed to be part of our value statements as a church? Let's pray and we'll dig in. So God, we thank you that your heart is family, that your heart is that no one would be walking through this life alone, but that we would have those that we know we could depend on and lean on and learn from. I thank you that in your wisdom of how you designed us, you set up these systems in these places. We know that families aren't always perfect, but we trust that you are. And so as we look at your heart for family, God, would you just protect us from the desire to point fingers or to be ashamed? But would we recognize that you are a God who can restore and renew and bring healing to all places? And so as we look at your heartbeat for family, we know we're going to fall short. But we ask that in your power, you would come and you would do what only you can do. You would bring unity, you'd bring forgiveness, you'd bring healing. And that you would help us as your children walk out what your design for family looks like, that we would walk out in places of health so that the world around us could see the difference Jesus makes in a life. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Well, you've probably heard us say it and we believe it, that parents are the primary discipleship makers of their children. And that's the primary purpose of a nuclear family. It was to create a built-in model of discipleship for the next generation to know who God is. You know, in our family units, we see everything, right? We see the good, the bad, and the ugly of every single person we live with. And more than that, through osmosis, we tend to become like the people we live with. Have you ever pulled a facial expression or said a phrase and immediately thought, oh my goodness, that was my dad, or that was my mom. That's osmosis. We pick up the characteristics of the people we spend the most time with, which is why we need to be intentional about our friendships. That's why that's so important. God created us, and he knows that that's part of who we are. It's part of how our brain works, that those we spend the most time with greatly influence the trajectory of our lives. And so he intentionally created this system, family, so that children aren't just left floating on their own, but there's a system where they could grow and develop in a way to know him. He intentionally created a system where we would be influenced by those who have gone before us and we're together. All of those people, moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents and great-grandparents could create the foundation and the framework for a vibrant faith. Listen to this psalm in Psalm 78, and it's so clearly the heartbeat of God. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. 
I will utter hidden things, things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. God's heart for family is that it would be a place where stories are rich, where the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord are on displayed, and that we would um, help our kids come to a place of faith because they see the practicalities of a daily devotion, of a life that is set apart, that is committed to choosing the things of God over all others. God's primary purpose for family is that we would spur each other on in love to accountability, that we would spur each other on in love to encourage one another to seek after Jesus, to hold fast to the faith that we've found in him, and that we would introduce our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and the children even yet to come to the person of Jesus and to the things of God written for us in the word of God. And that those stories collected from the people around us, from aunts and uncles, from siblings, from grandparents, from the greater family of God, that all of those things would reinforce those truths. And that together we would create this framework, a foundation of faith. A speaker I was listening to at a retreat once said that her deepest goal, her deepest desire is that there be an unbroken line of faith from her all the way down her descendants until Jesus returns. The primary purpose of family is to be a place where faith is formed and nourished. And so we stand with you as you live out your faith, but friends, we can't live out your faith for you. When we were next-gen pastors, I can't tell you the amount of conversations that Lucas had with teen parents and I had with kid parents where parents just wanted to offload the work of faith formation to the church. And we kind of live in an outsourcing world, if we're being really honest, where if I don't know how to do something, I just pay somebody to do it. But can I be honest? It doesn't work that way. If you've given up at home, it's too late. It's not too late to start again, but it's too late for somebody to step in, in your place. Here's the reality. You can't grow anything if you only invest an hour and a half a week to it. Can you imagine trying to learn a new instrument and the only time you practice is one and a half hours out of an entire week? You're not going to learn that instrument. Reading a book, if you only spend an hour and a half a week, it's going to take you a long time. 
And if you're coming to church to grow your faith, and that's the only time you read your Bible, or the only time you pray or worship or seek the face of God, no matter how great the church service is, you're not gonna grow. Because you can't grow anything if you only invest an hour and a half a week to it. And as much as we would love to say it's fine, like if you wanna offload it, sure. The reality is it does you and us a disservice. Because it takes a daily faith to grow in a relationship with God. And so we want to stand with you as you take ownership of your faith. As you live a life of consistent integrity in your family that echoes the faith that you hold dear. Then through osmosis, our kids see what we have. Through osmosis, that you begin to pick up the habits that we model. And so we stand with you in your family as you do the hard work that God has called you to do. As you live a personal integrity, a personal relationship with Jesus and you invite your family along, we stand with you in that and we fight with you. We stand with and build up the family. We're here for each other to pray and encourage and support. And you know what the beautiful thing about the church is that we have amazing community group leaders that are happy to give up time every week to lead Bible studies and facilitate discussion around the things of God. We have amazing children's church leaders who count it a joy to give up time every month to lead your kids to learn more about who Jesus is. We have incredible youth leaders who count it a joy every week to meet with your teenagers and to engage them relationally and to help them come up with some of the answers to their own faith questions, to seek the face of God together. We have an incredible prayer team that is ready and waiting to pray for the needs that they hear from our church family. We have so many others who have said yes to God as they've looked at the gifts and the skills that they have and how they can serve the family of God, the church body in a greater way, who are ready and waiting to fight with you, to stand with you, to build up your family with you. And as a church, we're committed to providing moments and space for you to check in on your marriage to grow in that, to come and have maybe some discussions you wouldn't have on your own, but through a marriage event to, ha to have those discussions. We're committed to having space and moments set apart where we can come together at parenting stages and learn from each other and ask our questions and glean and pray with one another. We're committed to having time set apart for you to grow individually in your faith to go deeper with God. We're committed to setting space aside for friendships to grow and maybe new relationships to form. And if you're feeling alone, then to find like-minded people and to grow the bounds of our family to include new friendships. Kind of think of it like the church being a library of resources that we would love to help you use we can't build your family for you, 
but we probably have some tools in our tool belts that we can lend you as you build up your own family, as you pray and seek God and say, Lord, what needs to be done here to come to a place of health and strength in my own family? Regardless of season or makeup, regardless of whether you're single or an empty nester, or you have little ones running around in diapers at your feet right now, you have been called to your family because eternity is at stake and this is God's plan for faith discipleship. God's primary purpose of the family is to create an environment for everyone to know him. The faith is also an amazing practice ground for so many things. You wanna learn selflessness? Family. You wanna learn how to serve? Family. You wanna learn patience? Family. Forgiveness? Family. To bite your tongue and choose gentleness instead? Family. Family is an incredible practice ground for service. The first family, Adam and Eve, along with all their descendants, were tasked with serving the entire earth, <laughs> with taking care of the plants and the animals and all the living things on the earth. Abraham, his family, along with all of his descendants, were tasked with what? With blessing all of the nations of the earth, that the, all the people, all the nations of the earth would be blessed through them. We are a people who have been invited on a journey outside of ourselves. We've been invited on a journey of service. And that journey begins at home. It begins with putting away dishes that we didn't dirty. It begins with offering to get extra glasses of water for whoever's sitting in the living room when you get up. It begins with seeing the needs of another and not just recognizing them, but going the extra step to care and meet them. It begins with prayer and humility. Service begins at home, it begins with family. In Galatians 5, 13 and 14, it says, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. John Acuff was sharing on Instagram this week as he dropped his oldest daughter off at college. And if you wanna have a kind 16 year old, teach your six year old kindness and give them 10 years to practice. Home is an incredible practice ground. But can I put a word of caution out there? We hear all the time that family is your first ministry. And I don't disagree with that. <laughs> we have been called to our families. That's God's design. But family isn't our only ministry. And in the name of clinging to our first ministry, in the name of serving them, we can so often create idols out of our family where we neglect all else and we allow the world to spin on the whims and the needs of a few. That sets them and you up for failure. Because it's never good when anyone takes the place of God in our lives. Family is our first ministry, but it can't be our only ministry. 
Home is a great practice ground for service, but our service needs to go beyond our home. We are a gift to our family, but we've also been invited to be a gift to our greater family, the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12 verses 24 to 27 make this so clear. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. Home is a practice ground to serving outside of it, to honing our gifts, to understanding who we are so that we can obediently say yes as God invites us into serving beyond our family, in the body of Christ and in the community that so desperately needs the love of Jesus. There are spaces set apart for you and your unique design to be a blessing to the family of God and the world surrounding the church. Home is where we learn the skills of service, that we can obediently step in to the purpose and the calling that God has placed in front of every single one of us. Home isn't a barrier. <laughs> Home is the place where we hone our skills so that we can be launched into serving as God would invite us to do in the world around us. Well, family looks a lot different today than it once did when generations shared the same house and same piece of property. And in many ways, we've lost some of the ease of even this psalm we read earlier, passing our faith down and the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord down from generation to generation to generation. Because FaceTime is wonderful and awful all at the same time. It's great to be able to see people, but I find it tremendously awkward. And with proximity being limited, oftentimes we don't have those conversations as things happen and we see the faithfulness of God in the moment. Life just happens. It gets busy and things get in the way. And proximity can be so important. And that's why we need to be families with movable borders. In James 1.27, it writes, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. If we're honest, we live in a world of widows and orphans. Maybe not literal widows and orphans, but we live in a world of disconnection and disconnected families. Maybe through an intentional, but no less painful decision to create a boundary that protects against abuse or harm. Or maybe through neglect, or maybe through distance, where there's love and a desire to be close, but geography just makes that difficult. Or of course, maybe through pain and physical loss. We have grandkids in need of spiritual grandparents. We have kids of all ages in need of spiritual parents. We have adults in need of spiritual siblings. We live in a world of disconnection. We live in a world of widows and orphans. So what if we were a family of God with movable borders? What if we made a habit of prayerfully adopting another person or another family 
into our own? What if in addition to building and strengthening our own nuclear family, we built them by enlarging the boundaries to include others into them? They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I think it takes a village for us just to remain healthy as individuals. We need a family, biological or otherwise, to encourage us, to support us, to help us see our blind spots and give us warning when we're veering off course. We need a family to pray with and to laugh with and to cry with. We need one another. It's how we were created. We were made to belong to a family. We grow in our faith better when we're in relationship with like-minded people. We serve better when we have a place to practice with those that we love, with those that serving comes easier because we already have a relational attachment to them. And we're more likely to invite others into our circle, into our family, when we're secure with the people in it already. We need healthy families. Our society works best with healthy families. But can I share something with you if right now maybe you're feeling like, oh, but mine isn't. You don't know, my family is just broken and bruised. Health can happen at any point because we have a God who is redeemer. We have a God who heals broken things, who restores and renews. And family can look like anything. It can be your biological family or it can be those that you choose to invite into your journey. Health can be something that comes at any point of your family's journey and that's why we want to stand with you and build your family with you. We want to join you in following that purpose that God has for your family as he designed it. And so this fall and winter, we're going to be extra intentional about setting aside space for resourcing and leaning in and learning from one another on this journey of family. And I pray that as we lean into God's design, even like coming up pretty quick with our preschool cohort, that we would watch God do what only he can do. I pray that as we lean into a season of standing with and building up families, that we would see him heal what's been broken, that he, we would see him strengthen what's been weakened, that we would see him invite each individual into a deeper relationship with him. And the trickle down effect of that would be that the body of Christ, the church of God, evangel and greater, would see healing where things have been broken. They would see strengthening where things have been weakened. And that because of a deeper relationship with God for each individual, we would see a vibrant faith and a greater light in our community. And the trickle-down effect of that would be that those who are outside of this place would look in in recognition that Jesus makes a difference in a life. We need healthy families because that was God's design for us. And that's what we're praying and leaning into this fall and winter. And so I want to invite you into the journey with us. 
We're gonna have lots of announcements coming up on what that all looks like, but I hope that you will come out and join with us as we stand with and build up your family, no matter the season and the makeup of it. Let's pray. So Father God, I thank you so much that your heart is for families, that that is your design. And so as we take these next few months and we set aside time and space, would you do what only you can do? Right now, I pray for those relationships that have been distant and broken, that God, you would do a deep healing, that you would bring um, sin and brokenness to light so that it can be addressed, so that it can be healed. God, we pray for unity of families. We pray for a grace for one another. We pray that you would invite each one of us deeper on our faith journey, that you would bring us to a deeper knowledge of who you are, that you would help us to choose the things of God over everything else, that we would be people of health, that we would be people who look more and more like you each day, and that the trickle-down effect of that would be church communities that are healthier, have a deeper sense of belonging and unity and the trickle-down effect of that would be that the community around us that so desperately needs your love and your hope and your forgiveness and your joy that they would see the city on a hill that they would be drawn to you through your church we love you thank you for who you are Thank you that you have declared yourself our Father. So we trust you. And we thank you for leading us in our families in your precious name.